Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for today's episode with one of my good friends, Craig Clemens. Craig is one of the top copywriters in the world. He is uh, masterful at communicating in a way that people find resonance in his message. And in this episode, he shares some of his top secrets and tactics to support you in your communications, especially if you're interested and oriented around building a audience. I think this is an extraordinarily special episode. We go into some of Craig's top strategies. So how to orient your message uh, to to speak to one person. I actually reached out to him when I was sending an email to millions of people, and he gave me some of the best advice I've ever received uh, about how to strategize around my writing such that it really evokes and elicits a response. Um, And writing is if you were speaking to, say, one person that you care deeply about and to their hopes and dreams and desires. He goes into uh, emotions and how to elicit emotions. And he goes into how to basically craft your solution so it's the best fix for, uh, for someone's problem. He talks about leveraging communications, uh, everything from tactics like split testing and stacking wins to the wisdom of the crowd. He also goes into uh, how to basically create irresistible intrigue and the great reveal. And I've been really looking at how to basically build movements for some time uh, back from the global citizen uh, days and also have just been a student of, you know, sort of the great communicators, great philosophers, mythologists, you know, so many of, of our cultures have been oriented around the sharing of story. And we live now in the 21st century where, you know, stories are communicated in new ways and there's so much noise. The question is, how do you create that signal that really creates a resonance? And so, Craig gives what he calls his hot knives um, that help cut through sort of the the, the noise and uh, and really create resonance signal. So he goes into his top tips. We also cover some of the pieces I'm getting most excited about, and I tease into a little bit what I'm part of what I'm working on, which is this notion of how to create life changing relationships in the 21st century. And Craig is uh, a masterful at creating masterminds, and it's one of my top tools. He's, uh, we've created mastermind dinners together. Uh, he's in some of the top masterminds in the world. Um, I also will be creating what I hope to be one of the top masterminds in the world. And so Craig was, is really gracious to come on the show and share some of his tips as it relates to how you could create your own mastermind. And so this episode's chock full of information. I hope you find a lot of value. Um, tag at Michael Trainer and tag at Craig and let us know what you think. And as usual, if you find value, please go ahead and leave a rating and review on iTunes. It means the world to me and helps us move up in the algorithm. So with that, I want to take a moment to shout out our partners. This episode is actually brought to you by two of my favorite uh, companies. One is Kettle and Fire. Kettle and Fire I've been using to rebuild my gut. Um, I actually have uh, you know, gut permeability, as many of us do, because glyphosate is so, um, so common in our food supply now. And 
bone broth and collagen are essential for that that sort of overall foundation of the gut. So I've been using Kettle and Fire. Um, I really, really like their bone broth. They've got a couple of, of different flavors. They have a high degree of integrity as it relates to the sourcing of their products, uh, organic grass uh, uh, finished uh, products incredible quality i did a lot of research and reached out to a friend of mine who's, who's really knowledgeable in the space and he said that they were top of class and so i checked them out i really think that they are uh, leaders as it relates to bone broth and i think collagen is one of the most under discussed uh, areas as it relates to our health so go ahead and check them out it's uh, kettleandfire.com and if you put in uh, kettleandfire.com backslash peak mind you get 20 percent off your order this episode is also brought to you by Just Thrive. Uh, I've been using Just Thrive Probiotic now consistently and have seen really profound results uh, in my overall gut health. Um, just as I mentioned previously, I did an episode uh, with uh, Kieran Kishnan, which I got huge feedback on. But, you know, our gut is really our second brain. It's our enteric nervous system. And it's where we produce most of our serotonin, our feel-good chemicals. It's also the center for our immunity. And having just done a course of, of probiotics, or excuse me, antibiotics, I use the probiotics to start rebuilding my gut. And Just Thrive has one of the few clinically proven products on the market. I take their K2, their probiotic, and also their prebiotic to help feed that healthy bacterium. To, uh, to bolster and build my microbiota. So um, check them out. They actually did, recently did a, a redirect, a rebrand on their site. So if you've, if you've heard me talk about them before, they're now at justthrivehealth.com. Again, that's justthrivehealth.com. And if you put in peak at checkout, you get 15% off your order. Highly recommend checking them out. I'll go ahead and link to both in the show notes. And without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce the one and only Craig Clemens. One of the things that you're, I would say, of the best in the world at is at, I would say, eliciting interest. Um, you're, you're, you're one of the best direct response copywriters in, in the game. But to me, that distills down to being able to listen be what i would call be in the listening to what other people are looking for and speaking yeah. to the speaking to the other person directly which i think is a key distinction that i've learned from you as opposed to the masses of people which feels very impersonal and doesn't really resonate or land with someone well yeah tell me sorry go, to please but the little magician's secret there is that if you speak to one person about their dreams, hopes, and desires. Yep. It's very likely it's going to resonate with a lot of people. But when you speak just to one person, if you say, hey, you out there listening to this, you know, if you're struggling with your business, your relationship, or you just wish you just felt a little bit better when you get out of bed every morning, everyone is going to fill in the blanks and put themselves there. Yeah. But if you say, hey, you guys, hey, everyone out there, hey, all you listening, you know, then they just feel like they're part of a big, like, mob. They don't feel as personally connected to you. Right. So the first tip that we can share is even if you are sending an email to, say, 40,000 people, or even if you're doing a podcast, um, you know, if you say, uh, like, hey, if you're looking to do this, you know, 
then I have something special for you. Not like, hey, if any of you are looking to do this, then you all should listen up. It's just much more disconnected if you're mentioning the group. Right. So one of the key things is, is breaking it down and making it, it's just speaking to each person. You, you gave me this advice. I remember calling you and I said, I'm, to be honest, I had a lot of fear. I was like, I don't, I'm about to send off uh, an email to, at that time, frankly, millions of people. Um, it was not to my own audience, but it was based off a collaboration that I had done. And I was, I was like, I'm terrified of, one, wasting people's time, two, that people won't like it. And you said some, you sent me a variety of tips, but the one that really stood out to me was, imagine as if instead of thinking about the millions of people you're communicating with, you were at a bar and on a bar stool with one person, yes, and you were speaking to them in a conversational tone, such that it was a story that really resonated with that one person, and also for me it evoked like also being in the listening, obviously in terms of like how you create rapport with one person, but it was so helpful for me uh, in the context of of setting the the frame around which to to share that correspondence. What's your process like? Because I know you have a now a massive audience and you have a variety of brands that you've built uh, from the ground up very successfully. How do you approach um, speaking to and building a large constituency whilst maintaining that level of sort of intimacy, if you will? It's a great question. So if I was going to properly prepare for this podcast interview, which I'll admit I did not, but if I was a professional podcast uh, appearer, Yes. Is that a thing yet? I'm sure it will be soon. It will be, It's like yeah. a new, like, you know, I'm, a, I'm a keynote speaker. I'm a podcast appearer. Yes, you are. Um, I would have gone and looked at your podcast and looked at what are the most popular episodes. Yep. Then I would have listened to them and saw what they have in common. You know, so that tells me what your audience for the Peak Mind podcast likes to hear. And then I would have read the comments to get to know the type of people that are responding and what type of things are things they care about because that's what they'll mention in the comments you know oh you talked about this and like you know that really mean a lot to me or uh, you know you guys rambled on and on about this thing I didn't care you know so see what people are actually talking about yeah and that is the same way I approach building any type of sales campaign whether it's for a product that someone's going to use or a service or an offering such as this you know find out the audience what is driving the audience what are their dreams, hopes, and desires? And then imagine one person in that audience and speak directly to that person, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. What my mentor, Evan Pagan, suggests is to write an autobiography as that person. Yeah. So let's say we were going to sell a uh, vitamin for uh, a mom to put in her baby's uh, bottle. Okay. You know, when baby's nursing to. Um, what Evan would suggest is to imagine yourself as that mom who just had a child, a child. and then write down like, what's her name? And you know, how many is this baby? Number one, is this baby number two? Like, does she work still? What type of education she has? Write down like, hi, my name is Cindy. And I just had my first son, uh, three months ago. He's the joy of my life. Uh, you know, his, his father is named John. John works as an engineer and you know, we're so excited about this chapter and that our baby's health is the most important thing for us. And I am having some 
uh, stress around thinking, am I a good mom? Mm. Am I doing everything my baby needs to thrive? You know, thinking about the emotions and write them all down as that person. Yeah. Do that exercise, do that autobiography, then put that to the side. Then when you write your promotion, when you write your message, write it directly to Cindy, mother of one, 28 years old in you know, Spokane, Washington. So to me, that seems extremely powerful for a variety of reasons. One, I love the idea of actually thinking about who you're speaking to, because I think a lot of people, when they put out a message, really think about it really from the point of view of themselves, right? Like I know in doing my research, obviously you're a dear friend, but um, I heard you sort of rewrite our, our mutual friend, Max Lugavere's sort of intro uh, live on his, on his show where, you know, yes, he's a New York Times bestseller. Yes, he's, uh, you know, he has, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, what have you. But what you said was don't uh, lead with that, which is how most people lead in their communication. They, they sort of talk about all their you know, qualifications as individuals, but lead instead with who is listening and how can I be of greatest service to you listening, like you one person listening. And that to me struck me as a revelation because I actually went on LinkedIn and almost no one does that. Very few people lead with introducing themselves relative to the person they're speaking with. So if you were to do that in the context of a large audience where it may be more broad than say, uh, a woman who had just given childbirth, but you want to write a message that's resonant with her as well as, say, someone who may be in a very different life experience, how do you approach that still, still feeling like the communication is very personalized, but being able to a, a, a appeal to a, water, a wider demographic? So you just have to ask yourself, like, what are you really trying to give them? Yeah. What's it's the value? It's not the product. Yes. It's not the service. Because... No one gives two shits about any product or any service. Yeah. They only care about the end result. Yeah. So you have to think, what is the end result you're trying to give them? You're selling them a solution, basically. So can you give an example? Well, are you, though? Well, Maybe you're selling a feeling. It's, yeah. You know, in the, the mother-child example, perhaps you're selling the feeling of security and that, that uh, confidence that she's doing the right thing for her baby. Right. You know, that's, that's really the driver there, right? It's, it's, uh, it's not a particular vitamin. All they want is a healthy baby. Interesting. They don't really care about how the baby stays healthy. They just want to know that they themselves are doing the right thing to have the healthy baby. So that's like the security there is around the baby's health and the confidence is around her knowing that she's doing the right thing. Oh, okay. Amazing. So you're basically distilling it down to having that person feel a certain way around relating to you through your communication. Yeah, so I heard Bob Pittman speak. Bob is one of the founders of MTV, and then he's the guy who went in uh, to Clear Channel Radio when it was just kind of whatever, and he changed the branding to iHeartRadio and made it like cool again. Yeah. Brilliant guy. And he made the point that blew my fucking mind because I had been studying sales and marketing for, you know, 12 or 15 years at the time. And I had never heard it put so eloquently. Bob said, you cannot sell anything to anyone. You can only make them feel that your solution is the best fix for their problem. Mm. That's all you can do. You cannot sell. You can only explain. Mm. And then they have to make the choice themselves. 
And that is what I try to think about every time I sit down to craft any type of promotion. Amazing. So let's back up a little bit just to give people context because I think what's helpful is now getting a little bit of your psychology. But I know, because I know you, uh, that you didn't start off as this expert um, sort of sales and copywriter. You actually um, came to it, as I understand it, through a mentor. Mm -hmm. And I, that's one of the areas I actually would love to touch on is this, this notion of mentorship. But can you give a little bit of context of where you started? Because I think, you know, obviously there's, there's a diverse group of people that are listening to this, mm -hmm. this show. Um, mm -hmm. We want it to be of value to those individuals. Yes. And I know even, even myself, I can relate to the fact of like, you know, I think there's oftentimes this myth which is oftentimes shared of like, I was down in the dumps and then I came here, right? Like, and I'm like this success story. I think for myself and many, like it's kind of more of a roller coaster, right? Of ups and downs. And, and I think especially in this life now, being resilient is, is a key character trait. But I know you didn't start off as, as running this, you know, very successful company that's built these brands. So let's talk about it in two ways. Let's talk about the actual story, then let's go meta, Love all right? It. And talk let's about like why is that interesting to people? Yeah. So one thing I would not have done in this conversation is I would not have started firing off tips and advice if I didn't know that you were going to put a serious fucking intro in front of this uh, yeah. and build me up as someone they should listen to. Right. Because if someone listened from the like point where we actually started, you know, with, with no intro and just like, who's this guy? No one is going to listen to anything we have to say. Right. Especially, um, especially me, they would listen to you cause they have some knowledge of the podcast, but not myself, just some random guest. If you're like, Hey, let's go. I have Craig Clemens on the show. They'd be like, who the hell is that? You know, cause they don't know the backstory. And then if my backstory, if they come to find out, Oh, this guy was born with a pen in his hand and wrote his first winning sales promotion at the age of six. And then, you know, by uh, high school was a, a multimillionaire. They're like, get the fuck out of here. You know, like, <laughs> we, we don't want to hear about this uh, uh, trust fund kid or copy prodigy or whatever it is. Right. You know, they want to feel that they can do it as well. Totally. And so the way my friend Russell Brunson describes this one, I love the way he describes it. See, I also steal everything from everyone else. Um, <laughs> He says that the people see you at the top of the mountain, yeah. and what you need to do is walk down to the bottom of the mountain, show them that you've uh, you know, been there. That's your walk down to the bottom of the mountain. And then you talk about how you got to the top, and that's you grabbing their hand and taking them up with you. I love that. You know, So if you just come out and you're like, uh, let's say you do give me this epic intro that I'm sure you're going to put on the top of this podcast. Yep. And then people hear that epic intro and then you're like, Craig, what are your strategies? I'm like, oh, do this and you'll kick ass and do that. You know, like people will listen a little bit. But if we go into the backstory and I tell you how much I sucked and I tell you how much my stuff used to tank and <laughs> how I got an F in English class and barely graduated high school and... You used to decorate my house with stuff from the 99 cent store on the corner. <laughs> like that's when people are like, oh shit, this yeah. guy, he, he, he's been in my shoes, you know? Like uh, one of the stories that I tell that uh, um, I get a lot of people telling me about that they, they can relate to is how when I was in my, my early 20s living in San Diego, when I would realize that in the bank, I had like eight bucks. Yeah. 
and I needed that eight bucks for lunch. Yeah. And you can't go to the ATM and withdraw eight bucks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I'd have to go to like a friend and I'd be like, hey man, I need to borrow $13 from you. <laughs> so then I'd take the $13. I'd be like, yo, I'm going to give this right back to you. Just, just give me a second. I'd go to the ATM. I'd deposit 13 And then my account balance would be $21. Then I could withdraw a 20 I still have a dollar in there, so my bank account wouldn't explode, right? But then I'd have the money out, and then I would get change. I'd give them back their thirteen, and then I'd have mine to get my, you know, two tacos for a dollar, Jack in the Box, maybe something at the ninety-nine cent store if I needed a uh, house decoration or something. Yeah, but that—that's like that's something people say, like, oh shit, like other people had to do that too, you know? So like, if you're at home, you can relate to that. If you've ever had to do that ATM machine thing. Well, I remember you tell because you you told a story at one of your events, which um, which are of my favorite to attend. But where you would, similar to the Jack in the Box, you talked about, which I really resonated with at the time. Um, this this notion of like you'd actually you befriended a guy. I think it was a Chipotle or something because the burrito was too expensive, but he only rang you up for like a taco. Like that level of Dude, like it was like it was like the fucking uh, uh, the the hand of of uh, the. Jesus of, gr- of the grilled cheese came down and touched me. It's right? like, remember the grilled cheese Jesus? I didn't. Like I don't know the grilled time? cheese Jesus, but okay. I love grilled cheese. Side story: like when the internet first came out on eBay, someone auctioned off a piece of grilled cheese that had burned a, a Jesus shape in it. Uh, no way! Like crazy. Yeah, yeah. It was like a big thing. Okay. Anyway, it was like a mir- miracle uh, because I went into this Chipotle and it was like a new restaurant. I'd never even heard of Chipotle. Yeah. And. I ordered my burrito and the guy that was working there was like, oh, you know, you only got like rice and beans and like not all this other stuff and I'm going to hook you up. And he rang it up as a quesadilla, which was like three bucks instead of, you know, Chipotle burrito is not cheap. It's like nine or ten bucks. You yeah. know? And I was I was stoked because that was a lot of money to me at the time. And so then from then on, I would ride my bike up to Chipotle and I'd look in and see if that dude was working. I didn't even know him. I didn't know his name. He didn't know me. He was just like, you know, we had this connection though, you know? He yeah. Felt me. If he was working, I'd go in. If he wasn't working, I'd go eat somewhere else. Yeah. And so you went from that, that place of, of sort of, of being obviously sort of, you know, skimming on finance, which I think many people can relate to. So many people, at least in this country are actually in debt. Um, and you decided basically what led you to the catalyst for, if you will, sort of changing your reality? Because I know you were doing sort of, as I understand it, direct sales, and then yeah. you, and then you, and then you kind of came across Evan Pagan. What yeah. led to that? What led to that transition of you being able to transcend your circumstance, such that other people can relate to to sort of pulling themselves up? Okay, no, I just got really lucky. I had a friend of a friend that introduced me to a guy named Evan Pagan, who I mentioned once earlier. And he took me under his wing and showed me what marketing was. I never even really knew the meaning of the word, mm. though I was telemarketing. I didn't like put it all together. And and you are not a successful telemarketer at this. I point. was decent, but it's just a grind. Yeah, I was like a. You're uh, like cold calling people and trying to enroll them into whatever you're selling. You know, it was I was a great telemarketer. Okay, but I was lazy. Ah. I, I wouldn't put the hours in. I wouldn't put the phone calls in. I'd be at my desk fucking around, procrastinating, you know, making prank calls, you know, um, just, just, I was just a jacker. Yeah. Uh, I'd go out to the bar every night, you know, so I wouldn't show up till noon, you know. So once I like got some on the phone, I could do okay. But then the other thing that I sucked at 
is follow up. I couldn't call someone like the good salesmen do. Like if I didn't get a response back, I'd feel like, oh, I'm not going to call them again, you know? And the best salesmen pester a little bit and they have no shame in that, the guys yeah. who are really good. And so I wasn't good at that. Got it. So uh, um, I was doing the telemarketing thing. I wasn't making very much money for all of those reasons combined. Uh, atop the fact that the firms I worked at were just, you know, very up and down and, uh, it was not a place, not places where you like in control of your own destiny. Mm. You know, it was like uh, I worked at a mortgage company, and you were dependent on the leads that you got. And like, you know, half the people that worked there were uh, in the uh, the owner's family, yeah. distant cousins and shit. And they were all driving Range Rovers and Lincoln Navigators and stuff. And they're like, there was only one other guy that made any money at the company. You know, um, so I, I was decent. But what Evan showed me is that these phone calls that I had to make. You're supposed to make 200 calls a day if you're a top telemarketer. Wow. You get a hold of, uh, you know, maybe 10 people, get, you get to listen to you out of that. You know, it's probably out of the 200 calls a day, probably 100 don't answer the phone, and probably 90 of them hang up on you right away. So you get to talk to like 10, you know, or at least like give them your pitch. Yeah. Right? And it's how many of those you can close. And so what Evan showed me is that, that when someone answered the phone, when someone would hear me, what I was saying there could be taken and put on a piece of paper that sales pitch for a product, and then stuck in the mailbox or stuck in the pages of a magazine, like a magazine ad, and be shown to millions of people. So you only have to do the pitch once, yeah. and then you send it out, instead of having to fucking pick up a phone, call all these motherfuckers <laughs> one-on-one, you know? <laughs> and so uh, that was the game changer. That was the big epiphany for me, is that, wow, like, you know, you do this, and you do it once, like, perfect. And it, it was a, a leverage point. Interesting, so, so Evan, who became your mentor basically taught you the power of leverage. Instead of having to like do 200 calls to potentially connect with one person, you figured out the magic of using that same communication to scale potentially to millions. Yes, yeah, so you say the pitch as best you could and you type it up mm -hmm. and then you keep refining and refining and refining. And so then you're writing as if you were speaking on the phone, as if you were connecting with someone one-on-one. -on -one. Absolutely, yeah. yes, absolutely, as if you're connecting with someone one-on-one -on, -one on a phone call. I love it. Or an in-person. You know, that's why some of the best copywriters are former door-to-door -door salesmen. Wow. So speak to that person one-on-one. -on -one. Um, you know who else uh, makes great copywriters? Is screenwriters. Really? And you know why? It's because they're taking one person on a journey in a movie. Yes. So they can take people down that journey, you know. So one person, one message, but seen by millions of persons, yes. you know. And the internet takes it an even bigger level because you don't even need to send them anything. You just need to like digitally get them to the sales message. Yes. And when I first started out on the internet, it was all still a static page, meaning text on a page. Because um, most of the population was not on a high-speed internet, so they couldn't watch a video. Right. Do you remember back in the day when you do that dialogue? Yeah, the AOL. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sounds like a fucking robot <laughs> choke, choke hold. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, you know led to only text. So we would write in text, and then it would go out via email, or it would be like a long web page with the sales pitch on there, and then people would read that, and they'd either decide to buy or not buy. And then the beauty of marketing in this style is that you can test two messages against each other. And, you know, show each one to like a thousand people and one of them is going to have a higher conversion rate, meaning more of the people will take the action you're asking them to. Yep. And then you take that one as the winner and then you try something else against it.
Yeah, Interesting. Testing. Split testing. I know I know Tim Ferriss did that for his book Four Hour Work Week, famously. Like he tried. He had tested the titles. He, he had a bunch of different titles. Yeah, he wanted to call it uh, drug dealing for fun and profit. That's right, yeah. And then he tested it against a four hour work week and look what happened. Yeah. And he didn't even love the title. He you know, but like but but people loved it. And I think that's actually a super important point. Mm-hmm is us getting out of our own way, which uh, is our greatest barrier, and actually, in some ways, just being in the listening of what the market says they want. Yep. Um, I mean, I told you in my own book discovery process, that's been pivotal for me, just being like, okay, well, it's not really about what I want, it's what's gonna be of greatest value. Well, look at those two titles. Yeah. What is more applicable to someone walking down the street of Marina Del Rey? Four-hour work week. Why? Because everyone's working, and the, and the key thing, which I think Tim's genius at, is knowing that like most people feel like they're starved for time. Well, wait, 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 back up, back up. Yeah. Tim didn't know this. Yeah. He wanted to call it drug dealing for fun and profit. Correct. He did not know this. This is not his insight, and this is a great point. Okay. Because everyone guesses wrong. I would have had a meeting with one of my junior writers last week, and he's like, "Hey, man, you know, I, I've been working on these these two pages, and I beat one." And I was like, oh, cool, show it to me. And he's like, well, do you want to see the winner or do you want to guess which one won? And I was like, oh, I want to guess. <laughs> I was like, he pulls him up on my I'm going to get this shit. And I was like, oh, that's the winner. I didn't even read the whole page. I just read the headline. I'm like, that's the winner for sure. Wrong. I was, I was wrong. Yeah. And then when I looked at him like deeper, I was like, oh, of course this one is the winner. But hindsight's always 2020, you know? So Tim didn't know that. And that goes to show that like you never know. Yeah. You know, you can always uh, be made smarter by the decision of the crowd. Yeah. So uh, I want to jump back to that topic, but like thinking about those two uh, book titles and what we were talking about earlier, drug dealing for fun and profit, that's kind of about like a, like a, a, a you know funny way to talk about what Tim was doing because he was selling supplements, right? right? Uh, four hour work week is a benefit to the reader. It's yeah. like, oh shit, I don't have to work 40 hours anymore, I work four right. and I'm fucking done. Whereas this one is like, you know, how many people out there want to deal drugs? Now, we're in Venice Beach, so probably a lot of them. But, <laughs> you know, if you're in main, uh, mainstream America, there's not that many drug dealers. So, sure. uh, you know, it's a benefit to the reader. And that's why that one, the title won and became an Yeah, they could question. see themselves in the process. So, uh, a few lessons here. One, like we earlier said, you know, it's, it's not about you or the product. It's not about the book either. No one wants to read a fucking big-ass book, man. No one wants to read a 200-page book. What do they want to do? They want to work less. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, that's what they really want. No one cares about the actual content of the four-hour work week. They want it. What they care, cared about is like not working as much. Yeah. Now, you need the content to get to that, so they will go through it. And Tim's book is fucking brilliant. And totally. There's stories in there. If you read, it's full of stories. People like stories. Um, you'll notice when I'm talking right now, I'm trying to tell stories. I'm not trying to like spit facts. Right. I'm trying to say, well, I heard Bob Pittman say this, and you know, I heard this person say this, and like I was doing this on the mic on the telephone. I'm not just like spitting facts because it's boring. Right. So speaking in stories is a is a communication method that people like to hear. Keep keeps people engaged. Keeps people absolutely, and and they hook. They want to they want to hear what happens next. So uh, lesson lesson there. Aside, we keep going into all these fucking lessons, man. It's like <laughs> freaking me out. I had too much. You're doing, uh, you're, doing awesome. you're doing awesome. You're doing awesome. So let's try to break these all down into applicable things. Okay. Lesson one: People don't give a fuck about the product, the service, the book. All they care about is the benefit. Yeah. Case in point: Drug dealing for fun and profit versus four hour work week. All right. So uh, another one of my favorite examples there is uh, Hillary and Trump mm. campaign slogans. Do you remember Hillary's? Um, I don't. I'm with her. Yeah. That's why you don't remember it. Mm. Do you remember Trump's? 
uh, Trump's was uh, making America great again. Right. Which has a bigger benefit for you? Well, I would not have liked, even made a Trump. You, uh, you hate I would have liked to see a f- of the first female president, but for, you hate Trump. Which, yeah. Taking them out of it, those two benefits, I'm with her or make America great, which is more applicable to you. Well, t- Forgetting who's behind them. Fair enough, yes. So, yeah. Okay, so see my point. Okay, so uh, benefit. Think about benefits. Think what's in it for them and think about uh, you know how that's going to resonate with their dreams, hopes, and desires. Yes. All right? The other benefit, or I'm sorry, the other lesson. Lesson number two. You don't know shit. I don't know shit. No one knows shit. But crowds have wisdom. Yes. And that's the brilliance of marketing is you can tap into the wisdom of the crowd. And thanks to the internet, you can tap into it faster than ever, man. You can put up Google AdWords or Facebook or whatever, and you can get thousands of people telling you what the best offering is just by their their voting with their credit cards or their opt-ins or even hitting the like button. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know this, but... Uh, you ever go to the county fair and you see like where they have like guess the weight of this pig and you win a prize? Yeah, totally. Okay, and then they have the big fat pig up there, and you know what do you think the odds are of like one random person guessing the, the weight of the pig? Like well, I don't think it's probably pig. very good. Otherwise, they wouldn't have it at the carnival. Perennially. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you see it in like the guess the jar full of jelly beans. Right. Also, you know it's like a common thing, right? So here's the fascinating thing: is if you do one of those contests and you have you know hundreds of people enter. And you take all of their entries and you calculate the average guess, the average guess is usually almost dead on. Really? Wisdom of the crowds. Fascinating. So, I don't remember what number lesson this is. You, that was number two. This is, this is number two still? Yeah. Okay, number two. Um, let the crowd tell you it's best. Yeah. Don't think that you're going to get it. You and I were talking about like podcast titles yeah. for my own. Yeah. I should just do an AdWords test. I should take my own advice. Yeah, you should. You know, lesson number three is take your own advice more often. <laughs> we never do. We're all great at giving advice. We're not very good at taking it. There was a lesson in there though. I don't know if it was a number, but it was, you know, tell stories if you want people to yes. stay engaged. There might have even been some other lessons in, in this as well. I think you, well, oh, I mean, you've shared a bunch. Yeah, keep going. We got off, uh, we kind of got off the topic a little bit, but it's that uh, uh, the, the, um, the great reveal, mm. revealing that you've been there, builds that trust and connection. Mm. Talking about you know, my story of how I used to have to go to Chipotle uh, uh, certain days when my dude was working to hook me up because I couldn't afford the, the full price burrito, let alone the guacamole. Yeah. You know, that, that shows people like, oh, I've been there. I didn't know what I was doing before, you know, but I learned stuff makes people feel now that they like can actually learn from me. relatable versus if I was like, you know, um, it's like, like who would you rather get a, a swim lesson from, you know, Michael Phelps or the guy who was told that he was never going to be a champion swimmer. And that's like, you know, not the right height and weight for swimming that ended up beating Michael Phelps in the last Olympics. Who would you rather teach you to swim if you're a competitive swimmer, you know? Yeah. Fascinating point. Yeah. Yeah, it's also interesting, I mean, to bring Tim Ferriss back into it, he could never swim, and he actually went off and basically taught himself how to swim, having a death, deathly fear of it. So actually, I'd probably like to learn to swim from someone who, uh, who transcended that if I had a huge fear of swimming. Yeah, if you really want to learn to swim, if you just want a selfie with someone, Michael Phelps is probably your guy. <laughs> exactly, that's, yeah. That's going to get a lot more likes. Yeah. But don't trust the wisdom of that crowd on who you should use for your actual activity. So that's actually another thing though too that we could talk about. Yet go for it. Is that a lot of people do things for the vanity reason mm. and not the results reason. Yes. Like a lot of people I see make this mistake when they're starting a business, they'll be like, oh you know, I need to go spend a bunch of money to get like amazing pho- uh, photography done. And like the best looking business cards. 
and t-shirts. Yeah. And you know, of course, we're going to need our company van. So when we show up at events, you know, we look good. But what they really should be spending money on is like split testing and, uh, you know, actually finding out if they have a sales proposition that works. Yeah. I actually, um, I see this far, so, so many times, oftentimes when I've done consulting where people, especially interestingly enough, people have, have attracted a lot of funding is they'll go off and they'll spend all the money on design and all of these like biases, but they haven't even tested, done a basic go-to-market test of the product. Oh my God, it's fucking hilarious. I see it so much in uh, the health and wellness world. And you know, you do kind of have that luxury if you raise a bunch of VC money, you could go spend other people's money to make something look pretty. Those days are not going to last forever, though. No. You know, when the next recession hits, all these businesses that are operating fold. that way, it's like, man, I, I uh, yeah, I have a, um, a competitor, I you know, won't say the name, but uh, someone asked me, they're like, hey, you're in this space too, should I invest in this brand? And I looked it up, and it was like, uh, it took them three years to launch. Wow. You know, they did their first raise in like 2016, and we're just launching, and now they're already raising more money. They had three years to do testing of, of product and all that. And now they're just launching with a product. They don't even know if people like the product, but it looks great. Oh, man. <laughs> it's beautiful, man. Yeah. It's slick. And they, their Instagram account is polished AF. Yeah. Know, but, uh, but who knows how it's going to do in the market. So, I'm, so okay, so, so you distilled on a bunch of things. One of the things that I've heard you talk about before that you haven't yet touched on, which I think is interesting, is a lot of times in communication, it's actually getting, in part you've, you've dealt with this on the split testing, right? Because you're actually saying, okay, let's go to the wisdom of the crowd. But how do you get people, if you will, through the door, right? Like a lot of people are like, if, 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 if you think about, okay, I want someone to be intrigued by what it is that I have yeah. to offer, no matter what that is in a relationship, mm -hmm. um, you know, how do you, you know, I think in the old copywriting days, it would be what's the what's the heading, so to speak. Like, yeah. what, how do you create, because I've heard you talk about this before, and I think it's relevant for many of the people listening. How do you create that irresistible intrigue? It's a great question. So there's a book that I recommend everyone read. It's called Positioning, mm. The Battle for Your Mind. Okay. And it's written by a gentleman, uh, two gentlemen, Jack Trout and Al Rice. And it talks about how humans are being like bombarded with advertising like 2,000 ads a day you know and like uh, this book is written in the late 90s too so wow. I think it's like 4,800 ads a day or something like that and back then like most of the ads were shown in America too it was kind of weird you know Americans see more ads than everyone else and if you can just imagine like scrolling the feeds and shit like that like how many ads you do you know I did an experiment once and I scrolled through Facebook feed and counted the ads for 60 seconds how many ads do you think I saw uh, I would have no idea, but I would guess, I'm going to guess, guess 10. So eight, eight ads in yep. 60 seconds. So that's like, you know, I'm, I'm bad at math, but I think like an ad every seven-ish seconds or something like sure. that. yeah. Right? So who wins if you keep scrolling? Well, the I suppose Facebook wins. Facebook wins because yeah. they get to show you more ads and then they charge the advertiser per view. Right. Right? The advertisers lose every time you scroll by their ad and you don't click, you don't buy. Every person that that happens to, they lose. Yeah. And so it is something you need to do now more than ever is is, is grab a hold of someone. You yes. know, they say that we have been conditioned so much. Uh, uh, Microsoft actually ran a study that shows human beings now have an attention span that's shorter than a goldfish. 
Wow. A goldfish has a longer attention span than, than a human, <laughs> right? And I think it's because we're just built to scroll. Now. Yeah. They should do a new book, uh, you know, Jim Collins, Built to Last. Yeah. They should do Built to Scroll. Because <laughs> that's what we're being trained to that, do. And that's our brain, literally. Trained. Dopamine why, So hits. why do those big companies want us scrolling? Yeah. Well, they're to getting... To look at ads. To look you at ads. Us, so they can keep showing us more and more ads, you know? Sometimes all of ads on the side while that scrolling's happening. And, you know, the, um, there's a, uh, one of our... Uh, uh, partners that we do a lot of advertising with, brilliant company uh, called Tabula that serves up a lot of ads. Hmm. They, you can even scroll through their ad box now. You go down the ads and if you can go browse ads until yeah. you find something you like. It's, it's so amazing. Because, uh, and, uh, and also too, like, um, and I'll tell you why that works. And it's the answer to your question. Sure. The answer to your question is that to get to cut through all that shit, you need a hot knife, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And value is that hot knife. Content that is free, that is not behind a paywall, that gives someone either an experience, which makes them feel something. Mm. That would be like a great story. That's why you see all these viral videos going crazy and getting a lot of eyeballs is because they make someone feel something. Mm. Uh, make someone learn something. Education is the other hot knife. You know, that's another form of value. So entertainment, love that. Education is is something that you can do, and people will keep scrolling through the news feed until they find something that either entertains them or educates them. Mm. Then they'll stop. So as an advertiser, if you're not entertaining and you're not educating, you're just going to get scrolled right past. Mm -hmm. I feel like what, what hits me as you say that, the best advertisements for me um, feel like, they don't feel like advertisements, no. right? So I think about like Dollar Shave Club or like uh, Squatty Potty, great, great you know, example. where it's like, it's, brands, it's yep. just like, it's so tongue in cheek and mm -hmm. so funny that I would share it just, I would share their advertisement, which how, how often do you share ads, did. right? Like, yeah. because it's like, it's just done so well. So. To me, it sounds like the premise, if I'm distilling it correctly, is really around giving and leading with giving so, and doing it either educationally or entertainingly. Uh, you have to leave someone better than you found them. That's yeah. what I try to do when I create a promotion. I try to leave someone better than I found them even if they don't buy. Love it. And I feel like if that's just entertainment, I've kind of wasted their time a little bit unless I have them like bust up laughing and that's not usually my style. So I try to really educate yeah. the things that they can't find anywhere else. So. We do a lot in health and wellness, and we give a lot of uh, health and wellness content. Mm. And my rule for my writing team is that if they write something that can be found in like uh, men's health or women's health or one of those, it's not good enough. Mm. This needs to be unique content that they can't get anywhere else that's instantly applicable that is going to change someone's life. Mm. All right, and might not you know change their life, like have them go from uh, you know obese to. to in shape sure. or something like that but like you know maybe it'll help them add a new healthy habit or make a better food choice the next time they're out at a restaurant you know but doing so with unique information if you're writing health content and you're like you know here's the first tip i'm going to give you michael is to wake up and drink eight ounces of water every day it's like come on man like i yeah. you know i've been hearing Get that, that everywhere like, and then if tip number two is like cut out sugar People are like, get the fuck out of here. You know, yeah. you're just like same old stuff. Right. They've clicked you off. Know? How do you break through the noise? So like basically if you were to distill it down, there's like tons of noise. How do you create signal? And it sounds like the way that you approach signal is you you basically create either educational 
or inspirational, entertaining content that no one's seen elsewhere, and something such that when they leave, they've not only not seen it, but they feel better for having consumed it. Even Amen. if they don't, even if they don't consume your product, exactly. but ideally they they do. That's it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So love that. Any other any other tips for, if you will, persuasive communication? Ostensibly, whatever it is that you're trying to share in the world, whatever your message may be, mm -hmm. whether that be as a company or as an individual, what are there any other sort of core principles that you found to be extremely effective in terms? It, I'm, I'm using sort of the analogy of the home, but in persuasive communication that, that is helpful to bring people into your home? You know, I think going into it, thinking about it as persuasive communication yeah. kind of sets you up to fail. Got it. Um, if you're trying to like persuade someone, it just doesn't really feel like you're trying to share value. Yes. It feels like you're trying to like manipulate. I love it. So let's, so let's, let's rebrand, let, well, let rebrand it. Yeah. You know, it's okay. You don't have to value driven communications. That's, that's, um, that's what everyone, everyone looks at. So this is the takeaway. Yeah. Is to not think of it as persuasive communication. Okay. Beautiful. Think about that. You're going to share value to someone so much that as Bob Pittman would say, they start to see your offering as the solution to their problem. Yes. Without you trying to shove it in their face without you trying to sneak something through or use any like tactics and things like that. Yeah. So what I tell the people on my team, and I know there's a lot of leaders that listen to this podcast. So if you're a leader and you want to tell your team how to improve their communication, tell them when you think of that one person you're going to talk to, don't think of them as a random person, even with the autobiography, even if you do that exercise, mm. you know, don't think of Cindy mother of one from Spokane, Washington, Think of cousin Cindy, mother of one in Spokane, Washington, who's a member of your own family, mm. somebody you really care about. How do you speak to that person? Love that. Two things happen when you do that. The first thing that happens is you instantly go from a, a position of like trying to persuade to like trying to give and share yeah. and, and connect. And then the other interesting thing that happens is, um, let's see, do you have someone that you can think of, Michael, in your life that uh, you've wanted to give some advice to or you have given advice to recently and you knew it was like really good advice for them? Um, well, yes, I do. Okay, what is it? Uh, well, I, I don't know if it was advice, but my, I, uh, this is very personal, but my sister it was recently married in September. I actually okay. married her. Congrats. And um, I had an intuitive hit that it would. She was on her honeymoon, um, mm -hmm. that which they took six months after the wedding. That it would be a nice time to potentially try to start a family. Okay. Now that w that felt stretchy for me because I don't want to tell my sister or whatnot what to do. But it was just something that occurred to me, and it was a stretch. So I called her and just shared that that was something that came to me, and you know, obviously okay. love her, whatever that, she wants to do. Okay, that's awesome, but that is more um, of like a, uh, a premonition you had or something like that. I'm thinking of more like a piece of advice that you like really felt was something that would help somebody. Like let's say you had a friend that was like, you know, uh, drinking too much mm. and you wanted to sit them down and be like, hey man. Almost like an intervention. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Can you think of any anyone in your life that that's happened with? Not necessarily advice, but I can think at lunch I, when we when we were talking, I was like, How, "Are you are you willing to stretch in because you are you're going to launch a podcast?" Right. And 
it wasn't necessarily advice, but I was like, can I challenge you to launch it in the next two weeks? Okay, got it. This yeah. is a good example. So yeah. Michael challenged me to launch my own podcast, and he's like, hey, two weeks' time. Do this shit in two weeks' time, right? Yeah. Okay, let's say you and I, um, let's say it wasn't me. Let's say you were at an event, yeah. and you met some guy, and you're like, hey, what's up with you? And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I'm about launching a podcast. You know, you'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Well, good luck with that. Like, let me know if I can help. Um, even though you know it'd probably be good for them because, you know, podcasts change the world and can help someone's business, et cetera, et cetera. You know it'd be good. But, like, with me, because you care about me, because yeah. we're friends, you were like, two weeks' time is what you should give yourself. And I'm going to shake and we're going to make a bet on this thing. Yeah. Right? It's because you care about me. Right. So the second thing that happens when you start to think of someone as someone you care about is... You not only speak to them in a more friendly, compassionate style, you actually close them harder Yeah. than if you were trying to yeah. use tactics and stuff like that. Totally. So you'll actually make uh, more conversions. Interesting. So yeah. I, there's a principle that you just shared that uh, that keeps coming up for me because it's how you occur to me, which is... is very handsome. <laughs> aside from the handsome part, yeah. which is very... Uh, you know, you're very generous, especially as it relates to, so we've talked a lot about connecting with people virtually, mm -hmm. but one of the things that you're amazing at is bringing people together um, in groups. So you have, you, you, you we've hosted dinners together, uh, several, several at your home, mm -hmm. uh, which I love to do because I, you know, one of the key reasons I moved from New York City to LA was I wanted to create a new type of community. I know that you shared that desire, and you've mm -hmm. done an incredible job of it, and I'd love for you to talk about how you've gone about that. But yeah, um, let's see if we got uh, still some uh, folks at home. All right. Yeah, how you guys doing? Oh, someone said we're killing it. Thanks. Sweet. <laughs> um, yeah. This is for those listening on the podcast. This someone is someone else us. said incredible, unbelievable. Oh, they said incredible, unbelievable. How smart I am. Wow. wow. Thanks for Craig, the kind Craig words. is winning on the Facebook Live, uh, Instagram Live. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about in person because one of the things that I get asked a lot and I've started to sort of think about in new ways because per, per that, like how do I add value to people I care about and, yeah. and beyond, yeah. how do you approach building relationships in person? What type of relationships? So let's approach, well, let's talk about it a couple different ways. So I think there's a variety of different relationships, right? There's obviously romantic relationships, business relationships, community, sort of just friendly relationships. Mm -hmm. um, but many people share the adage, you're the five people of the, that you, you know, the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. That. And Love you that. spend time with, you went from, you know, without giving people, you're, you're what I would call my SEAL Team 6, right? So like, what do I mean by that? So in health and wellness, in business, I have people that like aren't necessarily like, you know, they're kind of like behind the scenes, elite performers, like the best of the best in, in a variety of categories, right? So like I have that across my life in a variety of ways. You're a close friend, but like if I had an email that I knew was going to millions of people, like you'd be the first person I'd call because you're SEAL Team 6 on like, on communication, I would yeah. also judge your SEAL Team 6, I don't know if you even do it that intentionally, I suspect you do, but I don't know, around building and nurturing community. And I, th and I would deem that to be friend friendship relationships and professional relationships, um, because you're part of incredible masterminds, um, and I'd love for you to talk about the virtue of masterminds, but also because you host a gathering pretty frequently that brings together some really wonderful people um, in a sort of TED style event. So what led you what led you to 
choosing that as an area to invest your time, money, resources into? Well, again, I got fortunate in that when Eben took me under his wing, he also would bring me to these mastermind groups that he would go to. And for people who don't know what a mastermind group is, that's usually when you get, you know, between three and say like, you know, 12, eh, some of them are like 20 people who are all interested in the same thing and, but doing it in like a slightly different way. So you might get like all, uh, copywriters together, or you might get all people that are doing like consumer products or all people that are into meditation and you get them in a room for a set amount of time and you exchange ideas and strategies of what's working. And you can also share your problems and have the group give you feedback. Mm. And so Eben would bring me in and he'd be like, Hey, you're going to come to this thing and take notes in the back of the room. And so I'd sit on the side and I'd just take notes on what everyone was doing, but I got the benefit of learning. Amazing. You know, I was like the fly on the wall. And so that was my first exposure to masterminds, but uh, you know, I saw how much value that these guys would get because remember that, that group think thing we were talking about at the yeah. fair? And it's like you take all the random people and they guess the pig's weight, you know? Well, putting together a mastermind group is like, you got a big pig and you gotta guess how much that pig weighs and you get to pick like, you know, seven pig farmers you know, three of which have had a winning sow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, you can get them all in the room. So like if you're trying to launch, like say, a uh, e-commerce business, grab five of your friends that have, I mean, ideally you want people that have successful e-commerce businesses, but even five other people who are just thinking about launching their own e-commerce business and then you get in the room together and you share ideas, you know, no matter what skill level the people are at, the group mind is always gonna come up with something better than one person will. Like one of the most brilliant people in the world, Tim Ferriss, who couldn't pick his own book title. Yeah. There's not many people smarter than him and he would have picked wrong because the group mind is where the power is. So let's break that down for people. How have you, because you've talked about, like you're now part of some of the most elite and help some of the most elite masterminds sort of in the world, which some like, you know, the Ariana Huffington, Joe Paul, like a lot of the folks that are that have really are creating some of the biggest businesses around are part of. But you started off, you said, um, I think you said having just guys over on a Monday night and you'd split the bill for Thai food, right? Because I yeah. think a lot of people feel like, oh, these conferences are great, but like whether you're talking about a Summit Series or a Patel or, you know, they're also oftentimes, I could be pricey, out, can be pricey. You gotta on an airplane. Exactly. You gotta like be at a certain business level sometimes to get in. Exactly. No, we just started this thing. It was uh, 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 Money Monday's Marketing Mastermind. <laughs> and it was just all people who were into marketing We'd pick a different person's place. Uh, I think we did it like the first Monday of every month. Yeah. And yeah, we'd order Thai food. The bill would come. Everyone would chip in. Sometimes if we were at like a, a guy who was doing Wells House, they would pay for the whole Thai food, but usually not. Yeah. And then, you know, two people would present like interesting things that they were doing that were working for them. I remember yeah. one guy presented, he had like, we had this hacker come in and he's like, I built 40,000 Yahoo email accounts. And we're like, what do you do with 40,000 Yahoo email accounts? And that's an interesting question, right? Yeah. And something I didn't know, because that's not my specialty. Yeah, he's like, either. well, if you have your own autoresponder for a company and your own email newsletter, you're going to have problems with deliverability. And what that means, if you're trying to send an email to like, you know, a million people and you just hit send on it, like half of it's going to go into spam. Right. And if those people like click... This is not spam. 
then Yahoo algorithm will start to be like, oh, this is a valuable newsletter. So if you've got 40,000 email accounts, you can like game that algorithm because then you send it to the 40,000 and you have them all on the robot system that hits not spam and like opens up and reads the email, then it makes the sender look great. You know, so, oh, this crazy hacker. Wow. So I never would have known if we weren't putting these weird groups together. You know? So you so you've garnered obviously that's that's a one particular example, but you've garnered ass, assets in terms of insights from a variety of different folks. Will you put together participate in masterminds for all different areas of your life, like a health mastermind, or do you principally focus on like I want to scale my business? I'm in I'm in the marketing space, and I'm going to focus yeah. double down there. Great question. So I am a member of a, a few different masterminds, a few too many actually. Uh, some of them are more general topics. Some of them are more like specific on marketing. Um, I'm in one group that is like mostly authors and public speakers, which I am. That's not the core business. I, I speak a little bit now, and I'm working yeah. on some books and things like that. But I want to do more of it. Yeah. And they get benefit from having me in there because I've built um, big businesses in different spaces. Yes. And some of those things are, are, are you know, cross-applicable. And then I learned what they're doing in their course businesses or public speaking businesses, and I get to use them for my own public speaking or building the brands I have because I'm getting like an outside perspective. Yeah. That said, you know, I, I've also gone to groups that it's like um, uh, health and wellness brand meetup. And yeah. it'll be like, you know, 10 people who all have different health and wellness brands and you'll exchange ideas and those get a little bit more granular on you know what uh, type of ingredients are hot right now and people right. are enjoying and, and you know things like that so uh, I think you could do these for like all areas of your life like Sarah and I my wife uh, hosted a a health and wellness dinner one night not even really on purpose it was a night when Max Lugavere was in town from New York and there was another guy who I had been connected with from a friend who was a, a doctor yeah and um, he was like a, a, a psychedelic doctor, you know? Uh -huh. And we're like, well, these two guys are both in town, so why don't we have a dinner and just invite some other people who'd be interested in like health and, and wellness and things like that. And we invited uh, a business partner of mine who's an actress, and she brought her husband who's also, or fiance at the time, who's also an actor. Yep. But they had interesting things to offer because they've had personal trainers their whole life and like have to like get in shape for movie roles and things like that, you know. And then the doctor was blowing everyone's mind with his stuff. And Max is, of course, brilliant, you know, brain health and all that. And so, yeah, you can do it for anything, man. Like, uh, there's a group called Tiger Twenty One, and it's all people who are passionate about investing their own money. Yeah. And they meet and they put. When you get in this group, you put your portfolio, all your investments, up on a board, and everyone else in the group critiques them. Like, wow. oh, you got too much in commercial real estate. That shit's going downhill. You know, you got too much in crypto. You know, oh, you got, uh, um, you know, too little in uh, multifamily real estate. That's, go. That's what they do. This is Tiger 21 group. It's got chapters all over the United States. You know, so these groups are super powerful. And I think that's one of the things I see that, like, when, uh, uh, a common trait of mega successful people is they are a member of these groups or an assembler of these groups. Yeah, let's touch on that because two things I've distilled from your success, and for, for those who don't know, without going into great detail, Craig's you know went from that burrito reality to now you know he has hundreds of employees and has done very well for himself. But you've, I would imagine that mentorship. I know mentorship was pivotal in terms of your time with Evan in giving you both the skill set and access, if you will, based on Absolutely. some of these masterminds to, to massively up level. 
But it occurs to me, and, and, and this is a, a premise I'm testing by asking you directly on the show, that dinners and masterminds and being the host, if you will, of these experiences also provided mm -hmm. unequivocal value. Because I know, yeah. I've known you, we've been friends since New York. And when you moved to LA, I know one of the concerns, uh, at least Sarah's concern that I've, I've talked to her about is, you know, what about community? And you guys have now forged this incredible community, which I would seem as a tenant of that, not, not necessarily it was an explicit strategy, but is this hosting of events. And I think to me, as I start to think about, well, because people ask me a lot about relationships and how do you access the unaccessible, right? These sort of celebs or influencers, I don't like that mm -hmm. word influencer, but these people that otherwise seemingly would be unreachable, for me, a lot of times that's been around in events and experiences, um, hosting Global Citizen, hosting the Dalai Lama event, um, free, but, but, but more consistently hosting dinners. And you're of the best that I know at, at being very regular about both hosting really wonderful dinners that you, that you do as a gift for people. So you're no longer, people aren't splitting the bill for Thai food. You actually host people at your home. I wish I could have that dude from Chipotle over there. <laughs> you should have no, him back. Guy, you should have him back, have man. Jar, yeah. you know, either. He just hooked me up out of the bottom of his heart. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And also, you know, you have this rising Glen, which, which brings together in sort of a Ted style talk. But like, can you talk a little bit about how you think about um, expanding your circles because I imagine you now I, you know some people say that networking is actually as much about reduction as it is about expansion and uh, I was listening to uh, a friend of uh, Jason Gaynard's podcast and he talks about he's going wide on his network in terms of wanting lots of people that he adds value to that he could potentially reach out to in any particular reason but really he's refining more his core group like the kind of the people that like have your back no matter what and that's actually been more of a, of a whittling down process which is something interesting to me because I've always looked at relationships from a growth mindset not a fixed mindset I feel like I'm always looking at Everyone is a potentially wonderful human, but we do have a limited amount of time. So how do you look at relationships and how do you look at relationship building? So there is this uh, mind visualization game that you play and it's called the cube and you imagine this cube and then you imagine a ladder next to it. Right? Uh -huh. Why don't we do it now? Okay, let's okay, do it. So there's a desert. Yes. In the desert, there's a cube. Yep. All right, I want you to imagine the cube right now. Okay. Okay. Tell me what the cube looks like. Um, it's expansive. It's uh, visionary, kind of see-through, like, like glass and surrounded by an abundant forest and river. Amazing. Uh, in the desert, there's also a ladder. Okay. Where is the ladder in relation to the cube? The ladder is going up the entire cube and continues to go up beyond the cube, like, at, mm. like almost like to infinity. What's it made out of? Um, it's made out of a beautiful, like a uh, hardwood, like a, like a cedar or like a, like a, I don't know if you know the tr madrone, their native redwood tree, Ooh, okay. red bark. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. So everyone, um, oh, I just made my own mistake. Okay. If you are listening at home, let's play along with me. Okay. Picture the desert, picture the cube, think of what that looks like, and then picture your ladder. Think about where is it in relation to the cube and what it's made out of. All right. So Michael, you just answered the uh, you know, your cube is uh, translucent, yep. made of glass, you said? Yeah, like see-through, like, totally see -through. lots of and natural light. Uh, uh, what were the other words you said? You said it's verdant, like surrounded by like green, lush vegetation. Yeah, and you said it rivers. was like transcending or something like that? Or, yeah, right? the said, ladder was going like far No, the cube. The cube. Oh, the you cube. You used this word. Oh, yeah, like, expansive. Expansive, expansive. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, 
the cube is how you see yourself. That's you. All right. So you see yourself as, as ever expanding and surrounded by uh, vast, it sounds like nature and beautiful things and like wonderful nourishing environment. Yeah. The latter is how you see your friends. And they say that where the latter is relation to your cube is how close your uh, friends and your social connections are to you. So you said yours is on the cube and shooting off of it. Yeah. So that shows that you value your connections and community like like no like very few people do. Because some people have it leaning on it, some people have it like next to it, or some people have it totally aware. Yours is like a part of it. Yours yeah. is like deeply ingrained. And you also said that it's shooting up into the sky, like infinite. Yeah. And so that means that you have the mindset of like, there's infinite great people to meet out there and like connections to be made and great uh, learnings you can have from other people. They also say that if your ladder is made of metal, that means that you choose your relationships kind of like transactional, like what can someone do for me? If the ladder is made of wood, you choose your relationships based on like the feeling that you get with someone and like, like you know, like uh, how well the connection is. So you said yours is like a rich mahogany. Like that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like cedar, madrum yeah, is like yeah. a native California wood. So it shows yeah. that you are very rich with your connections. You're not just like a social climber or uh, trying to like level up. You yeah. know, you actually value those connections, which is interesting, right? I love it's, that. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. Right? So, um, and that's from a book called Secrets of the Cube that uh, I recommend people get and do that with yourself. What's your the partner. author? Author's um, name? I, I think first name is Anne, but I forget. Okay, well, you can Google it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to to think about um, that that there's something to be learned from everyone and every every experience, but yeah, it is a challenge when you have to protect your time. Mm. And as I have become, um, for lack of a better word, more successful, I'm getting more requests for like, hey, can I pick your brain? Um, hey, can you mentor me? Hey, can you look at my company to invest in? you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And it's tough because I wish I could mentor all these people and I wish I could have coffee with everybody. And Let me pause yeah. you right there actually yeah. because this is actually a key thing I want to attend to because I, th I think it's really a value. This is a premise of what we we're talking about at lunch. Um, my, my particular thesis is that networking as we know it is dead and I feel like those approaches, and I'd like your, I'd like your opinion, so this is not deferring. I actually want you to go deeper on this. But when people hit me up, generally speaking, especially if it's not, if there's, they haven't put a lot of effort into thinking about a way in which it would elicit an emotional response from me, but more it's just a cold email, yeah. hey, I wanna pick your brain. Mm -hmm. To me, to be honest, and this sounds really bad, if someone says I wanna pick your brain, it's almost like an instant, like that's a terrible, to me at least, and, I, it, it, and it's not saying I've done it myself, so I'm not like calling anyone out for being bad, but most of the people I know like you who are very busy, there's no one who's gonna be like, oh, heck yes, unless there's something else, right? Like that's a close friend of my, a friend, yeah, or yeah. like, or or they've done so much work that they're like, by the way, here's four or five th ways in which I think I could be a value to you. Yes, yeah. And if you're open to it, I'd, lo I'd love to offer that value. And if you happen to have a moment uh, to chat, that's great, but no expectation kind of thing. Where it's like, because there's also this burden where it's like, if I reach out to you and I'm like, I wanna pick your brain, then you also feel the burden to respond to me. And if you don't feel like you have the time, so instead of being an additive, which I think 
to your point earlier about leading with giving, even though someone have a great intention in, off, in asking to pick your brain, sometimes it can be a more of a withdrawal than, a, than an investment in those who you admire. Yeah, I've actually written people back and been like, hey, you need to write better emails than this. That's amazing. I have, I don't have time to write back everybody, but yeah, um, yeah one guy wrote me and he's like, hey, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. And I just wrote this book, and I think you might like it. Might you know, because like enjoy the content, and yeah, one of you could check it out and share it if you like it and get a testimonial. And then I started reading it, and I was like, actually, then I was like, I was like, oh, that's a cool topic. Like this needs to be out in the world. And I was like, oh shit, it's a form email. <laughs> and so I wrote the guy back. I was like, you know, this was actually a really good email, and I think your topic's really good. But I'm not going to share your book, and I'm not going to read it because you actually did send me a form email, and all you had to do was go on my page and read like two of my articles and be like, hey, you're just the headlines. Yeah. Be like, hey, I really loved your article, like how to change your life in 60 days. Yes. And that made me Personal. inspired to yeah. write you and tell you about my book. Yes. I would have read it and shared it then. Totally. You know, because he didn't take the time to like do that and take anything personal. The guy didn't write me back either. And I actually thought this guy would really appreciate the advice based on his book content. And he never wrote me back. <laughs> I don't remember who it was. But uh, I was like, uh, uh, surprised you're not going to response. But um, it's a great question. One thing I've, I've had to do lately, which has been really tough, mm. But I've had to um, just release myself from the, the feeling of the responsibility of having to respond to mm, people. Yeah. And that is, uh, it's, it's tough, but I just, I just realized that, like, people will understand. Mm -hmm. People will understand that, you, you, that you're not going to be able to respond. And I tell people, too. I tell people, hey, I'm bad on email. I'm bad on text. Yeah. Like, if I don't write you back, like don't take it personally, you know. Um, I have an autoresponder up on my email that says like I'm I'm really busy, I can't respond to sure. everyone, which is a nice buffer, you know, to let yeah. them know like it's not you, it's me. And uh, the reason why is because you know if you like you literally can't like if you're putting yourself out there in any type of social manner as you are with the podcast, then you know if you respond to everyone, you just your life would be over. Yeah, you know. So I've just like. Uh, and I've set like categories, like one of the recent things I did is I said, you know what? I am now going to release myself from feeling like I have to respond to, um, curated group invitations. Mm. So like if someone is like, Hey y'all, I'm doing a, uh, you know, book signing at so-and-so, you know, and, and you can tell that it wasn't like a spam and they only invited like 20 50 people or 100, whatever. Yeah. I used to always feel like I had to be like, hey, out of town or hey, I'm busy, so right. I can't make it or, or go, you know? Now I just realize don't have to respond. Right. Even this is a close friend. Even yeah. if like you wrote me something that sure. was like, hey, Craig, I'm having a, I'm having a, or if it was like, maybe you said, hey, Craig, and it was personal. Yeah. But if you're like, hey, LA friends, I'm having a meetup at right. so and so restaurant for people in health and wellness, and, I, and you and I are close friends. Yeah. I've recently decided I don't have to respond to those anymore. Sure. Even to say no, I can't make it. Yeah. Because it's just one more thing to respond to. Yeah. You know, so you got to like decide. You got to go through your inbox. Be like, what type of messages are you going to respond to? And so let me distill that down for the benefit of everyone. So a couple of key things you said there. One, um, I love that you first of all had the autoresponder, right? So for example, I'm not great at voicemail. Uh, I'm great at text, as you know. Voice notes are one of my preferred. I like to, you know, I like to disrupt the noise and find signal. But for example, voicemails aren't the best. So I'm going to put on my voicemail. I don't actually check voicemails that often. Oh yeah. If you want to hit me up, send me a text. I keep my voicemail full. Yeah. So you can't leave a message. Same. So 
But if someone, so, so first point is find your preferred me mechanism of communication, automate, systematize it, and, and buffer up against, you know, basically just tell people where they, can, where, they'll where they can rely on connecting with you or they can't. The second piece, though, which I think you, you just attended to, is what do you do if you do want to break through the noise? So if someone does want to get through, if you will, the, um, the gatekeepers for Craig Clemens, whether that's for you like as an individual handling it, or oftentimes with other executives, that's their assistant, right? There's someone who actually literally filters through everything. Yeah. What have you found to be like the secret sauce ways to connect with those mm. you're most intrigued to connect with? Yeah. So like, Okay, you can either, either think of it as if someone did really want to get into your wheelhouse to break through your gatekeepers, or yeah. if you wanted to get to someone who you really admires through their gates, how would you approach that process? You know, it's tough, man, because it's going to be different people for different, different things for different people. But like someone wrote me an email recently, and it was like, hey, I've listened to every podcast you've ever done. I love your Chipotle story. I love how you discovered this. And I could just tell they'd listened to a lot of different ones because they had like compiled all these facts about me that I hadn't shared in all in one place. Yeah. And I wrote that back. I wrote that person back. Yeah. And uh, actually ended up hiring them. Amazing. Uh, after mentoring them for a little bit. But like, if I did that with Leonardo DiCaprio and I was like, hey man, I've watched all your movies. Like, I love that line in the beach where you know, you like scream and <laughs> run in the jungle. Like, he probably gets like a hundred of those a day. No, totally. Okay. So, so, so but there is a distinction. And also, that person was like, you know, I'm, I want to be a, a great writer. I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, like I'll come work for you for free. I'll, you know, I'll clean in your shoes and yeah. get you coffee and all this stuff. You know, that, that works sometimes. Uh, I can also tell the guy I had good writing potential. Um, the, uh, he had shared like he was like that he was like me, you know, yeah. he's like, I'm like you at this age, like I'm the same age as you. So it's like, just like, you know, pulled the heartstrings a little bit. So the, Usually when people like write me that type of thing, like I will at least respond, but it's going to be a lot uh, now, but I would say if you want to contact me, that's a good way to do it. You know, I just, like, <laughs> yeah. like pay attention if you want to be, and, and you know, I'm trying to build the best uh, team of writers in the world. So if someone's interested in being a writer, please reach out to me. Yeah. Uh, love meeting people who are interested in that. But um, getting a hold of other people, I like, would, do you use do you use your events as I so I, you have speakers, for example, at Rising Glen. I don't know if this was a cogent part of your strategy or whatnot, but you know you have you've created a platform which is, from my point of view, a natural way that if you wanted to connect with someone, whether there was any transactional value or not, you have a natural input point. So, like one of the things I share with people is like. I, I, I have a dinner that I'm hosting usually, like maybe not every month, but close to. And if I meet someone in, in, intriguing, like I'll oftentimes invite them to that dinner. Straight, if, it's some, yeah. if it's someone who's like, for lack of a better term, you know, their time is, is super precious and like they may be exalted as a quote unquote influencer celebrity, I oftentimes try to find a experience that they would never have had. So for example, like the Wolf Sanctuary, right? Like, which, yeah. I, which I brought you out to, right? Like, Genius. Like I... Again, no transactional value for me, but like I've like you know randomly like 
uh, at the risk of sound, this is not meant to be name droppy, but like Woody Harrelson, I met Moby there, who's now invited me into his men's group. Like just random people that like I've met because I shared a passion that they shared, which you also share around animals and animal welfare, right? Like I know that's a passion for you. I didn't have a transactional value around it, but I was like, I like Craig. I want to be better friends with Craig. Invited you to that. Do you have? And from so for me, unique experiences are a great way to build relationship. Yeah. And you've created one of the coolest unique experiences that I, you know, every time you 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 host an event, I look forward to it, right? Like so, it was that something that you consciously thought of, or are there other ways that? And I imagine it's maybe about, well, you probably built incredible relationships from hosting those events. Um, is that one of the principal ways that you look at that, or do you go to other people's masterminds to sort of expand your network? Uh, sorry, I don't understand the question. So the question is, are you, you, what's your, if you, for those people that are, right, like, so you use Leonardo DiCaprio as an example. Mm -hmm. For those people that are the equivalent of what you were to that young copywriter. Yeah. Whether that, and I, I doubt that's Leonardo DiCaprio, but let's say it's Tony Robbins. I, 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 I don't think Tony Robbins is accurate. But how would you approach, if you wanted to get into the sphere of influence of yeah. someone of that, uh, of that repute? I How would you approach yeah, it? Yeah, I think at that level, you have to have a le really legitimate offering. Yes. Or you must be a much better bullshitter than I am. <laughs> so I actually do have a, a mutual friend of Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And that is a connection I imagine will happen at some point. And the reason why is because we're both very passionate about conservation. Yeah. He's a little bit more like geared on the planet i'm a little bit more geared on like the ocean and intelligent marine mammals yeah but seeing what he's doing with these documentaries you know i think that there is probably something cool we could do together using some of the writing things that i've worked on that have gotten videos to have you know 100 million people watch them that have been about health and wellness you know i would love to be doing that for Conservation. Conservation for the animals. And I think, you know, uh, uh, Leo's work in that space is really inspiring as well. Yeah. So if that was like a high priority for me, I, right now my, my problem is time because I'm really focused. Like I would, I, that's what I'd love to be doing all my time. But yeah. I have a business that I'm super passionate about that I'm very hands-on in. You know, but like if I was retired, I would probably say to this mutual friend, be like, hey, I would like to connect with Leo about this. And then... Hopefully that person would let him know or his team what I'm about, and then maybe the connection would happen. But oftentimes with those people too, it's like you get connected to his director of video. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? You yeah. don't get connected to them. So like, there are people that are much better at this than I am. Yourself, I think, being one of them. So uh, I'm open to advice and growth in the area. But I would think that when you're talking about people at that level. Unless you're like gonna like marry into their family or something like that, like you better have like a legit reason yeah. that you guys could sync up or that you could offer value to that person if if you wanna make it happen. I think you hit it on the head, man. You go I, like like twenty levels down to like connecting with like myself or you, it's a little bit easier because like, you know, we're able to walk down the boulevard without getting mobbed. <laughs> when um you're Leonardo DiCaprio, and I, I actually think I saw him jogging this morning. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was him because someone is on 80-degree weather running in Canyon with a full black hoodie on. Yeah. I walked past me, and the face kind of looked like him. 
like you're that recognizable that like you know like people might even think it's you and it's not you know like that would be mm. tough to be that famous yeah too. i agree uh and i think it would be very challenging but i think you, you distilled down a couple things just that i want to sort of break down one is i think you're you're still coming from the place of leading with value to them absolutely secondly or value and collaboration in value and collaboration yeah. which i think is really smart Secondly, I think you, you brought up a point which actually I think is oftentimes overlooked, but actually super important, which is it'll likely go to his, someone in his inner sphere, right? Like yes. probably before him. Yeah. Um, and I bring up this, so I, the, earlier this week, and here's a good, here I'm using this story to just share, again, the value of providing experience. So there's a, there's a guy who I had met literally at a Tony Robbins event, didn't mean to bring this full circle. So I had Petra Nimkova when we did Global Citizen was on the stage uh, first year. And I saw her at the Tony Robbins event, and I went up and chatted with her. And her boyfriend at the time was this gentleman named Alejandro. Lo and behold, I wound up inviting Alejandro to a few dinners that I hosted. Again, no trend. We're in different industries, no transactional value. On Tuesday, he randomly was like, "Urgent, call me." I called him. Bang. Okay. He's like, "I'm by the way, am going to see Andrea Bocelli tonight at the Hollywood Bowl backstage. You want to come?" Um, Heck yes, yeah. I, and again, I, I, Andrea Bocelli. I'm not. I don't know his music profoundly well. I know he's one of the best singers in the world, yeah. and I know that he has a foundation. And he wanted me to connect with him on the foundation. So I said, okay, great. Anyway, long story short, I go. He introduces me to Andrea Bocelli's uh, wife, who invites me to visit them in Italy. And wow. randomly that night, out comes on stage Jamie Foxx to sing "My Way" with Andrea Bocelli. Um, now, rewind. I had met. Jamie Foxx on several occasions previously, but like we go as we're backstage, we you know Jamie Foxx is in his dressing room. Oftentimes, by the way, for people who are listening, the worst time to try to connect with someone who's a speaker or influencer is right after or right after they've spoken on stage or mm -hmm. right after they perform because everyone's right, trying mobbed. to beat and be mobbed. Don't do that. So anyway, I saw him backstage. I shook his hand, but I didn't try to like, hey Jamie, I'm, I had no agenda. I didn't well, I just hey great show blah blah moved on. That said, after Jamie left in his dressing room was his business partner, Dave O. And I wound up sitting and having a great chat with Dave O. Now, I have no transactional uh, thoughts around that particular relationship, but I'll likely invite Dave O to a future gathering. And to me, what I'm distilling here is just to say, like, the whole reason I was there was actually because, I, like you, I host dinners uh, with the sole intent of adding value to other yeah. people. And it leads down roads we never even have any idea where it's going to go, one. And yeah. two, the people that are the right hands you know, I have a friend who actually will send, if someone schedules, an assistant schedules them a meeting with that person, he'll actually send flowers to the assistant. And I think what we often overlook is the value of the people next to those we're looking to connect to. So I just wanted That's to still that, yeah. Yeah, when you connect other people together, yeah, they're gonna connect you to people, it just happens. You know, it's one of those things, it's like the power of giving. Yes. It's like, I love that, that uh, you know, old uh, adage that, you can't blow out someone else's candle to make yours burn brighter. Yeah. But your candle can light a million without your flame dimming at all. I love that. And if you approach connecting people the same way, be very generous with your connections, it's going to come back to you. I, I will, I'll, let's close near there because I love that. I feel like, and that's one of the things just in the spirit of, I want to honor you because you're, in my life, have truly been a candle. Um, you uh, you lead with a light and you seek to connect everyone and it's been a huge gift to me and I know many people in, in, in our community and with no expectation of anything in return. You just are generous with your time, your energy and 
I'm so grateful for it. So I want to say that, first of all. Well, it seems to me you live your life like a candle <laughs> in the wind. I thought you were going to say it. I knew, yeah. I, I knew you had some kind of a joke I, in well, there. I thought, I, that I, that I thought that it was coming. I, I, yeah, thanks. But thank you very much. Yeah, very, yeah. Uh, it means like everything. Yeah. Um, so um, with that said, I also know that it's date night with your lovely wife, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you online? So uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Craig, and you can find me on uh, Twitter, and that's my full name, Craig Clemens. And I would say those are probably the – I have a Facebook uh, page as well, but those are the two best places. I don't really check my Facebook book inbox that's another thing i just said it i'm just not checking anymore you know you gotta gotta isolate amazing okay so instagram at craig and a twitter at craig clemens yes wonderful um so let's let's sort of leave it with this is there any piece of wisdom any nugget and or any like one or two resources whether they be books mm -hmm. or experiences that you think would be profoundly valuable for those listening that you'd like to share yes Everyone needs to read the book Influence by Robert Cialdini. It's spelled C-I-A-L-I-D-I-N-I. -I -I. Influence. Okay, wonderful. If you've I have enjoyed this conversation, yeah. it's a must read. Great. And as far as in uh, experience, I'm going to say that if you're listening to this and you want to take action, create your own experience. Yeah. Put together a lunch breakfast, dinner, whatever, with between three and 10 people that have a common interest. Invite them all and facilitate the conversation by telling everyone to bring a question for the group. Tell them it's gonna be a great group. Hmm. They're gonna be able to get feedback from the group and to bring a question about something they've been struggling with that could be in their business or could be personal. Or if you wanna keep it all business, say bring a question you've been struggling with in your business. Hmm. And then when you get in that group, have everyone introduce themselves quickly and then set a timer and give everyone seven minutes to ask their question and get feedback from the group. Mm. That's a simple way to facilitate a mastermind that's gonna get great results for everyone that shows up. It's gonna be a lot of fun and it'll be your, your first one down and it's all uh, uphill from there. But yeah, that's a, it's an easy experience that anyone can facilitate. I love that. Craig Clemens, thanks for being on the show, my man. My pleasure. Epic interview with my man, Craig Clemens. Uh, please go ahead and let us know the value you got from the episode, what you took from it. You can tag Craig at, at Craig, and you can tag me at, at Michael Trainer. Um, always appreciate your feedback. Always appreciate uh, knowing what value you got. Any, any, any thoughts or feedback around ways to improve the podcast uh, are always welcome uh, at Michael Trainer. And... Uh, the whole intention of this is to add value to your life and to create an epic community here. And so, so grateful for you listening. Please go ahead and share the episode with anyone you think would find it valuable. And with that, uh, heartfelt gratitude, my friends. Wishing you well. Going to have some epic episodes coming up. And uh, please go out there and live your inspired life. <laughs>